and I got a call from that same genetic counselor and she said, I am so sorry, the results came back and she definitely has cystic fibrosis. Oh I was gosh. like, okay, thanks, and like hung up. Like I couldn't say anything to her. But tell me um, what was going on in your mind. I was just stunned. Every dream I had for this child just like fell to the floor. Mm -hmm. It was, I, my sister-in-law was there, my husband was there, my mom had flown in because I called her and was a mess and my mother and father-in-law were there and I was like, she has CF, she has it and just started bawling holding this child and everyone's crowding around me like hugging me and yeah. this baby, like no, she's perfect, but no, she's not. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. Today, I'm pleased to introduce a wonderful woman who was born in Southern California, but calls Gilbert, Arizona home. She currently lives in Davis County, Utah. She married her husband seven years ago, and they have four awesome children. She spends her free time volunteering for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and sitting on the Intermountain Cystic Fibrosis Parent Advisory Council and working the women in her church organization. She also is a volunteer in her children's classroom and in the PTO. She spends a lot of her time driving her children around to all of their activities. I am pleased to introduce Jennifer Hepworth. Jen, are you ready to share your story of hope? I sure am. I'm excited. Awesome. So I met Jen a couple years ago and she has been blessed and challenged with a daughter who has cystic fibrosis. And I will be the first to admit that when your daughter was diagnosed, I'd never, I mean, I think I'd heard of cystic fibrosis, sure, yeah. but I didn't really know what it was. And so watching you kind of go through those early years of diagnosis and figuring stuff out, and it was so overwhelming and scary and all that stuff. Um, it was, and even though I wasn't living in your house or anything, it was, I, I was awe inspired by you. So I'm really pleased to have Jen on today to tell her story and also teach us a little bit about what cystic fibrosis is and how it impacts the lives of people uh, nowadays. Absolutely. Thank you. And that's so kind of you to say, because it was, uh, when she was first diagnosed, it was kind of just trying to survive that, yeah. that time. Uh, so cystic fibrosis, and call it CF, that's what most people say because mm -hmm. it's easier, um, is a genetic disease and it affects, it can affect most organs in your body, um, primarily the um, respiratory and digestive systems. Um, and what it does is the mutation that you have when you're born uh, causes the the, it's called the CFTR protein, not mm -hmm. to function correctly. So your salt doesn't go the places it's supposed to go. Right. Um, and so you end up with very sticky mucus uh, that lines your lungs, lines your intestines, your stomach, it wraps around your pancreas, all sorts of things. Um, and so where a healthy person or someone without CF 
has their mucus is more like water. My daughter's is more like peanut butter. And so it's very easy for bacteria to stick in there. And if she gets a cold, that bacteria can overgrow and cause a lung infection and go into the hospital for two weeks. It's usually 10 to 14 days for IV antibiotics after doses at home and trying to get it kicked at home. But right. uh, hospital stays are often part of the the treatment for those. Wow. So why don't you take us back? Um, you'd been married for how many years when you got pregnant? When I got pregnant, we'd been married for eight months. And so eight months. she was born when we were about a year and a half married. Very good. So new in a marriage and all of a sudden you have this beautiful bundle of joy and you imagine that your life is going to just be beautiful and blissful. And it didn't quite turn out that way. So why don't you start us off where you were and what you were thinking and what kind of triggered this, maybe there's something wrong. Sure. So I had had a really hard pregnancy. Uh, I had something called a subchorionic hemorrhage, which is not related to CF. That's just something my body did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had a lot of bleeding throughout my pregnancy. So I was on bed rest and had to stop working. So we actually moved in with my in-laws who were wonderful and let us take over their basement Mm -hmm. uh, because I could no longer work. And so we were in Kaysville and had Penny and was, were just over the moon in Mm -hmm. love with this darling child. And she kept doing this thing where she would snort, like she was trying to gasp for air and snort. And I was 100% the doctor's idea of a crazy first-time mom. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, no, like she has, we heard small nasal passages, still has fluid from the womb, still Mm -hmm. um, learning how to breathe correctly, all of these things we got. And so I think it was the third time I had had her into the pediatrician's office in three weeks. So she's three weeks old. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, well, we need to talk to you about something. I was like, oh, okay, sure. Um, And uh, they said that on her newborn screening, um, it flagged for cystic fibrosis. And so... Really? Yes. And so um, it's been on the Utah newborn screening since 2009. We were the second to last state, the last being Texas, to add it to the newborn screening, but now it's in all 50 states. Um, And the only thing I knew about cystic fibrosis is my husband had a cousin who passed away from it when she was 14, and that, like, full stop, all I knew. I knew that it was life-limiting, and that's what they say. Um, And so they said, we have an appointment for you tomorrow to go down to Primary Children's Hospital, which is wonderful and such a blessing to have so close by, um, to do a sweat test. And so what the sweat test does is they wrap the person, baby, whoever arm, they put gauze on it and then wrap it up and you have to make them sweat. And three weeks old don't really sweat. No. Uh, so she had like one of those space blankets wrapped around oh, her gosh. and we were like holding her for, I don't know how long, cause it was all such a blur. Um, and trying to get a little bit of sweat so they could see what her sweat chloride was. Um, And while we're waiting, there's a genetic counselor in talking to us, and they're like, if this is what it is, then she got a mutation from your husband and a mutation from you, and it's a one in four chance. And I was like, cool, great, thanks. I did this to my baby. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So, (laughs) like, it was just so traumatic. And we got a call 
I remember it so clearly. Um, I was sitting on my mother-in-law's couch and I was nursing her and I got a call from that same genetic counselor and she said, I am so sorry. The results came back and she definitely has cystic fibrosis. Oh and I was like, okay, thanks. And like hung up. Like I couldn't say anything to her. But tell me um, what was going on in your mind. I was just stunned because in the hours between when the pediatrician told me mm-hmm. this is a possibility and the results coming in, I, I had convinced myself like, oh, this is just a false positive. This mm-hmm. is, it could be, maybe she's a carrier because she got one mutation from my husband because mm-hmm. he has a history, but there's no history of CF in my family. And I was just like, oh, like maybe, and no. And so she tells me yes. And I just like every dream I had for this child just like fell to the floor. Mm-hmm. It was, I, my sister-in-law was there. My husband was there. My mom had flown in because I called her and was a mess. And my mother and father-in-law were there. And I was like, she has CF, she has it. And just started bawling, holding this child. And everyone's crowding around me, like hugging me. And I don't even remember my husband's reaction because I was so like, this baby, like, no, she's perfect. But no, she's not. And uh, the next day we had an appointment at Primary Children's Hospital. They have a CF clinic, which is amazing. And um, we were there and I had my mom there and my husband was there and they started talking to us about what this disease is. And they were like, don't Google it because that's terrible and has a lot of outdated (laughs) information. Okay. Um, And they let me know that um, her life expectancy was 37 years old, which... My husband is 38 now, so mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's not that's barely grown up. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 37, that's not acceptable. And I I knew that my husband had had a cousin pass away, and I don't think that it clicked with me that they were going to tell me a life expectancy for my child. Mm-hmm. And that was even more than everything they were about to teach me. That was just like, how how do I just go about raising this child with this limit or this time clock in my head. Yeah. And and so I am so glad that my mom was there because she got more of the information than I did because it was so overwhelming. I think we were there three or four hours and we're in this room and we have a doctor and a nurse practitioner and they're telling us that we are now going to be feeding our three-week-old applesauce because that's the only way to deliver the pills that she has to take to be able to digest her food. Oh, wow because she was dropping weight so quickly. So part of cystic fibrosis is uh, the pancreas is clogged with mucus, and so it cannot release the digestive enzymes that you need to break down the food Mm -hmm. to be able to absorb the fat and the proteins, the carbohydrates. Um, And so with CF, you have to have pancreatic enzymes. And so they were showing us how we take a little scoop of applesauce and we crack open this pill and the beads go on and then we have to try and convince a three-week-old to eat this. And, <laughs> oh and I was like, no, you don't give three-week-old food. Like, what are you doing? And and so then they're like, and you might not be able to breastfeed. And that was really important They're like, because it depends on if she's able to get enough calories and enough fat and you might have to fortify and and so oh, wow. I was like, oh, another dream. Like, oh, there it is on the floor. But I was able to, which I was really grateful for. And then um, so that's where we started with just the digestive enzymes. And then 
Um, I have a nephew that is just three weeks older than she is. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he got, I don't remember, RSV or some kind of virus. And uh, we called the clinic and let them know that she might have been exposed or... Oh, or, gosh. Because I have two older boys, um, but they hadn't been around her very much yet. So, But my little nephew had because we were very close. And they said, okay, well, we need you to come in because now we need to teach you chest therapy and how to do nebulizers for her. Oh, wow. And so we go down again and they teach me, it's called chest percussion or percussive therapy. And they give you these little uh, like rubber cups and you have to pound on eight different spots on her body for three minutes each um, <laughs> with a tiny baby. And you just look like you're beating them because it's on the front of her chest, the back of her chest, the lower lobes of the lungs and her sides. And so you wow. have to do different positioning and that's after you give her an inhaler and do a nebulized medication um, which, you know, uh, five weeks, she, I mean, she's not really doing much yet, but mm -hmm. for like an eight month old who doesn't want something pressed on their face for 20 minutes every yeah. day, like it was an adventure. <laughs> and so we went down, we learned that. And she, since five weeks, she has done chest percussion therapy, a minimum of twice a day for 30 minutes, uh, four times a day when she's sick and more nebulizers wow. and stuff now. But, um, now she has a vest instead of us having to do it by hand, which is really convenient. But she still asks when she's feeling really crummy, she can say, like, it hurts right here and show me where in her lungs. And then we can do extra chest percussion therapy to help that spot. Wow. Yeah. So here you are, brand new mom. And not only is a new baby, you know, and all the learning that goes along with having a child being thrust upon you, but also all this additional stuff. Did you feel overwhelmed? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't, the whole first year of her life is such a blur. And that's one of the things that I advise most new parents is don't let CF take away that year because it took my year. I don't remember her first anything because I was so focused on what am I doing to keep this child healthy? What am I doing to make sure that she's okay? I was so overwhelmed and just was muddling through. And thank goodness for my friends and my family and my my church group because I was constantly getting texts like, okay, we love you and we're going to bring you dinner or I'm sending you some cookies or just something to know that I wasn't all alone uh, because while my husband is wonderful as – as a mother, I was staying home with her because she can't be exposed to more germs than necessary, especially at such a young age because she's so susceptible to illness. And so it was like my whole day was, okay, we wake up, I give her her medicine, I give her her vitamins, I, uh, I feed her, and then let that sit for a minute. And then it's, okay, now we know how to do the inhaler, then the nebulizer, and then do her chest percussion therapy. And then we're going to CF clinic or I'm on the phone with the pharmacy or I'm on the phone with insurance trying to get this $4,000 medication covered or okay. I'm because it's there's only 30,000 people in the U.S. with cystic fibrosis and 70,000 worldwide. Um, and so insurance isn't always right on top of it. And so right. it was me calling clinic and clinic calling this person and their pharmacist at the clinic calling insurance and I'm calling insurance. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not helping me. And this is a medication that 
my daughter has to be on. So it was, I just don't remember the first year very well. And it breaks my heart that I don't remember because I was drowning that whole year. Wow. Sounds like it. My goodness. So you advise other parents who have children with cystic fibrosis to remember the first year. Yes. What else do you tell them? I tell them that hope is the most important thing because there are so many new treatments and new medications coming out all the time. The Cystic Fibrosis Foundation is so invested in funding um, or giving grants to pharmaceutical companies to come up with medications because it's so rare there's not a great profit margin for pharmaceutical companies to do that. And, And so I tell them just have hope. There's so much coming. Your child's life will not look like a child's life 20 years ago. It is not the same. Yeah. And don't let CF steal your joy because you can get so wrapped up in everything I do is to keep this child alive and forget that this is a child Mm -hmm. and she needs to go and run and jump and play and wrestle with her big brothers and play with friends and go to preschool and not every child with CF's life can look like that because it is so different for every child. But you can find joy in something. You can find joy in doing something you love as a family, even though you thought you wouldn't be able to with CF because Mm -hmm. maybe they shouldn't be around campfires and your family loves camping. Well, we can figure something like that out. Mm -hmm. And just tell them, just remember that they're a kid too. And that is something that is so hard because you see this child who just, she wants to go play in the mud because we had some awesome rain and there's some (laughs) amazing mud out there. And all you're thinking about is the Pseudomonas aeruginosa bacteria that is lurking in that soil that she's going to inhale. And now she's going to have a Pseudomonas infection and she's going to be on inhaled tobramycin for 28 days off and on for a year minimum. And so you're trying to compartmentalize that. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And okay, go play in the mud. Then that's what we have decided we're comfortable with, but it looks different for every family. And just whatever you can do to still let your child be a child, Mm -hmm. I feel so important. And that is the best, well, maybe not the best advice because we all do things differently, but that is often my advice to other parents is remember this time and still have joy in your child. Mm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you have done to find joy? Because I know so much of what you do is 100% caregiving. So so how does Jennifer find joy? It is so hard and I would feel so guilty taking any time for myself to go and step away from my caregiving position and honestly letting go of that control because I know I can do all of these things and she gets all of the things. And yes, my husband can do all of those things too, but it's not me doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I have a group of um, mom friends who all have children with CF and we um, met each other either through Facebook or the clinic at Primary Children's. We have parents nights through the Intermountain Cystic Fibrosis Parent Advisory Council. And so I've met some there and we're like, oh, we're all in Davis County. Great. Let's go out to dinner. And so we started that years ago, four or five years ago. And 
it is my lifeline sometimes because I can go out and be away from that role and talk to other people that 100% understand what it is I'm going through. Um, and we can laugh about things and cry about things and tell funny poop stories because so much of CF is like, how is her poop today? And, <laughs> and, and it's just amazing to have those women because it is my best self-care to go and talk to somebody that is right there with me. And we also have a, a group me chat. And so any, anytime we need anything, we can, we have 10 other moms that are right there ready to give advice or comfort or any, and that is the best thing I could have done is find this group of women whom I love so much mm-hmm. and who are right there with me every step of the way. Yeah. So. They're your battle warrior sisters. They huh? are. <laughs> and their kids are like my kids when their kids are going through something I feel it as if my kid was going through something. Mm-hmm. So we have been so blessed because Penny is on a medication called Kaleidico, and she was able to start that a week after her second birthday. And that was a miracle in itself because it was not approved for her age group until the month before she turned two. Oh, wow. And it was six and up, so it was very much talked about with her doctors, like, okay, this drug is here, so when she's six and she can start it, it's going to do so much for her. And I'm like, okay, but all of the lung damage between now and six, that seems forever away. I saw on Facebook that it had been approved for her age group right before her birthday. And I was like a sobbing, crazy mess. <laughs> and so she started that. And so she has been just doing better than we could have ever imagined. And I have so many friends whose children are not on a a drug like this because Mm -hmm. it is a very specialized targeted for her mutations drug. Mm -hmm. And I have one of the most wonderful women in the world. Her daughter has CF and has been admitted to the hospital 20 times Mm -hmm. for two weeks or more. And every time they go in, I feel that crush Mm -hmm. of, Oh, she's sick again. We have to work on getting her lung function up again. And, Mm -hmm. and, it just breaks my heart. Anytime any of the kids in our group struggle, it like I just feel it so deeply and and it's especially hard because our children can't be around each other. Yeah, I remember you told <laughs> me that a couple months ago. And so why don't you explain that? Because I had never heard of that before. So kids with CF can't associate with other kids with CF, which Correct. is so Interesting. So explain that. So hard and so isolating. Um, So because they harbor different bacteria in their lungs because the mucus is so sticky, um, it could be a bacteria that we don't have any issue with but can cause a real problem with them and they can pass it to each other. So if they are, there's a six foot rule. There was just a movie that came out that was called Five Feet Apart and it was about two teenagers with CF. And before we knew what the movie was about, everyone was like, it's six feet, it's six feet, not five. (laughs) And um, so there's a six foot rule uh, because that is what would be most likely to protect them from passing germs to each other. So it is, um, even when we go to clinic, they stagger all of the check-in times because we can't be in the same area together. We can't wait together. We can't be in the elevators together. Um, and so you have to be aware anytime I step onto the primary children's campus, it's okay. Who's masked and who, and Penny wears a mask all the time. And it's who is doing 
what and what do they have that might tell me if they have CF and and it's okay well we're gonna wait for the next elevator just in case and mm. and so it's so hard because it's so isolating when you don't have a best buddy that you could go and do something yeah, with it's not that understands like, you. Yeah, it's not like she can go and hang out with other kids like you hang out with the moms. Right. Because they could they can't. Very, very sick. So you said that she has little Skype or Face yes. FaceTime friends? She does. So the same girl I was talking about earlier, um, that has been hospitalized quite a bit. They say that they're CF besties and they have like best friend forever necklaces oh, or little bubblegum machines that <laughs> the mom and I have taken to each of them because they've never met in real life. And they FaceTime all the time. They do Marco Polo messages. They will send videos. Um, this little girl had to start doing sinus rinses and it's a scary thing for a kid oh, to yeah. do. And scares me. I'm, I'm, I'm in my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was really nervous about it. And Penny is a sinus rinse pro. And so Penny filmed these little videos for her, walked her through all the steps. And then we've since posted them on Facebook for other CF moms to show their kids that are nervous. And Penny's like, look, it's not scary. You're just like a squirt gun. And so she oh, sends shit. videos when she's really good at something. And, and if she's scared about something, they'll, someone who is really good at that thing will send her a video. Like you have to take your antibiotic. It's a really gross pill, but it helps keeps us healthy. And, mm -hmm. and she does the same thing with another little friend who would not take her medicine and she's like let's take our medicine together so they'll they'll do facetime and they'll like okay ready and then squirt and then do their <laughs> medicines together and it's so cool to see the technology that can bring them together because otherwise they wouldn't see each other but once a year at our walk in salt lake and mm -hmm. they stay six feet apart and they're like hey and, uh -huh. and so they do like to see each other when they can but they know that they have to stay apart like um the same little girl with the bf bff necklace with her uh came to one of her dance recitals and i just coordinated it with the mom that we would meet you out here and don't go this path because we're gonna come up this path and and they got to see each other in the lobby and stayed there six feet apart. And I'm sure people were like, why are they posing their children so far apart from each other mm -hmm. when we're taking a picture? And we're like, we have a picture with you guys together. And Penny <laughs> was so excited. And, Perspective, uh, right? Yeah. And we're like, great. You, you got to see her in real life. That's awesome. And it's really hard because sometimes she's like, mom, I just wish I could play with my CF friends. I just wish I could play with them, not just see them on the phone and like, I know sweetheart I'm so sorry <laughs> but we got to do what's best for their health and so we muddle through as best we can yeah so that is just a really hard rule now how old is she now she is six she's she six, six in so she can understand things a little better now yes she, she's good she for a long time her um let me stay up later thing was mom come lay by me and tell me what my medicines do. And so oh. that was her, her uh, 
well, her way to stay up and not have to go to bed quite so early. She's like, so what does my Creon do? What does my Calatico do? My Plumazime, why do I do this? I'm like, you know all the answers. Why don't you tell me? And so she knows all mm-hmm. of it. And she knows that she has to have a mask on when we go to any healthcare setting because she could pick something up so easily. Um, she knows that she's going to get blood work done. She... Uh, is really, really excited that she can now hawk a loogie because <laughs> she doesn't have to get a throat swab anymore. So, you know, like a standard <laughs> strep swab, and it's yes. not super comfortable, but with a CF throat swab, they're trying to see what the mucus in your lungs is growing, and so they go deep oh. with that throat swab, and they start it at your first CF visit. Um, and so she, like any regular human hated it. And that was like the most traumatizing thing for her. And so when she figured out how she could, I guess I shouldn't say hockey, how to expectorate uh, her mucus (laughs) and spit it in a cup after she did her um, pulmonary function test, it was like the greatest day of her life. She was like, mom, I spit out my mucus. I don't have to do a throat swab. But she she really does. She understands a lot. And we try to keep it age appropriate. But she will come up with questions that you don't think a six-year-old would have already. It's like, all right, let's figure out how to muddle through this. And that's where, again, my mom friends come in so handy. It's like, she just asked me this. What am I going to say? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm in the moment and they're out of it. Like, okay. So broach it like this. Like, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but she really understands well. Uh, so she just completed kindergarten and thank goodness she's at the most wonderful school because they made her 504 so great, which I was prepared for a battle and it was like, whatever you want, we'll do because we want her to be healthy. And so she knows if someone in her class is coughing, she needs to ask the teacher to move away. She knows she can't share school supplies because she picks up kindergarten germs that way. Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't gain weight very easily, so she has to have a high-calorie snack during kindergarten. And so she would know that, okay, around this time, I'll go talk to my teacher and tell her I need this and get my enzymes and I have my water bottle so I'll swallow my enzymes eat my snack and then keep working and do it so she's very aware that she has a lot of differences and there's not a lot of people with CF but whatever question she comes up with we just roll with that is fantastic what a journey you have been on with this sweet little girl and it's amazing that she's so wise and responsible you know as a as a kid I think um, children with cystic fibrosis have to grow up so quickly because they have to start advocating for their own care so early. Mm. And like she was swallowing pills at eight months old. And <laughs> oh gosh, that makes me feel awful because my 20 year old with autism still has to do everything. <laughs> it was the applesauce pouch. That's the secret is slurping uh. the applesauce pouch with the pill in it. She did boycott from two to four and now she swallows like giant pills all day long. Wow. Um, but she, she just has to advocate for herself and she has to know I can't be around this or this person's smoking, I need to walk on the other side of the street or away from this section of the park or or whatever the case may be. And she just, she has picked up all of those things that I do with her. Um, and I am very open with her about all of the things. It's, okay, this 
is a really smoky area or the campfire has the wind has switched directions so we need to move because the smoke can trigger coughing fits and then it's hard for you to breathe and mm-hmm. and she understands and so our last camping trip she just would get up and pull her chair around and she'd move as the wind moved and she is very aware of what she has to do to take care of herself not saying that she wants to do any of yeah things. <laughs> and she's still six and she's still doesn't want to be different than her friends but she knows like when I call her in it's time to come do shakies and she has to do put her vest on and do her neb and um it's been really great because the neighborhood kids all know that she does this and so they'll be like oh can we come sit with you and watch a show and she's, yeah great and so now we have buddies that come and sit with her but she's awesome she's so great that's fantastic <laughs> well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back Would you mind telling us a little bit about faith and the faith crisis that this has caused within your family and your marriage, having a child with cystic fibrosis? Absolutely. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson is now available for purchase on Amazon. This book took me 10 years to write and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I also include a bonus diagnosis survival guide at the very end of my Normal For Me book. The diagnosis survival guide includes 12 tips to survive and thrive in tough times. Wouldn't you like to know what those are? So what are you waiting for? Grab your copy of Normal For Me today on Amazon. And we're back. Today I'm interviewing Jennifer Hepworth about having a daughter with cystic fibrosis. And this has been such an education into what cystic fibrosis is and how it affects you and your family. So um, let's talk a little bit more about what this meant and the crisis of faith that it produced. Why don't you go ahead and tell me a little bit about that? So my husband and I are our family belonged to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and grew up in that church. And my husband has had a really hard time dealing with God and our daughter having cystic fibrosis. Mm-hmm. And it's completely understandable. It's, sure. It is devastating to hear that your child has a life-limiting disease. And he really struggled with how could a loving God let this happen to my tiny newborn and what purpose is there in suffering and why does she have to go through this? What is, what is this trial going to teach her Mm -hmm. and, and us? And, and while it's taught us a lot, it's been very difficult for him. Um, to rectify that. Uh, he's also very analytical. He's an engineer and he wants things to line up in a row. Um, and, and faith doesn't for me ever. And 
And so I have been trying to support him as he deals with this faith crisis that's ongoing. He continually um, struggles with it and it has affected our marriage a great deal because we didn't understand where each other was coming from. Um, Even just with her diagnosis, I didn't know that if he really cared because he was so like stoic about it all. And finally I opened up to him and said, this really bothers me. I never see you talking about it or you never talk to me about it, anything. And he's like, I've just been trying to be strong for you. So you could feel like you could come to me, but I'm dying inside. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until we really expressed that. I'm like, I need to see that you're emotional about this. That helps me not Mm -hmm. having this strong, stoic husband. And so as he's been able to be more comfortable with it, our communication has gotten so much better and our marriage has been so much better for that. Um, but it is really difficult because I don't have the same faith struggles that he does. And I am very much someone who thinks, okay, I don't understand now and that's okay because Mm -hmm. one day I will. And if it's not in this life, then when I meet God, I will understand what the purpose of this was and why we watched these children suffer. And, um, that is really difficult for him to understand. He can't just, it's not easy for him to just let that go and stand and have a wait and see attitude towards anything in Mm -hmm. life. Um, and so when it comes to faith, he really does struggle with that concept. And so that's, that's created a lot of heartache in our marriage, um, until we've learned to talk more about it. And, and I'm a very, emotional, but also black and white. I'm not going to read into things. Mm -hmm. And he would say something um, that he thought was expressing where he was on his faith journey that I just took to mean whatever the exact words that he said. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. just too literal with it. Um, And so he thought he was keeping me in the loop about his struggles and where he was going with things. and, And when I finally figured out how much he was hurting and struggling, I was blindsided because I didn't understand that those bits of information he had given me, he thought was telling me the whole story and I thought were tell, was telling me nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we've had to learn to communicate a lot better to try and work through this. But I really do have to rely on my Heavenly Father so much um, throughout this whole journey because... I don't think I would have made it through that first year without having someone to just cry out to and tell how much I'm struggling and um, have that, that kind of warm feeling that he knows that I'm struggling. And it's made me understand God a lot better um, as I go through this with Penny. And how he had to let such awful things happen to his son and that he was scourged and crucified and had to go through so much pain. And growing up, you're like, oh man, that that was so hard for Christ. And yes, 100%, he went through that. And now with this perspective, I see, oh my gosh, Heavenly Father stepping back to allow that to happen I don't know how he could do that, how he couldn't just 
snatch Jesus up and, and just take away that pain that he needed to go through for us. Right. And so as I have gone through this, I have learned more the nature of God. Mm. And that has been big for me because my faith has, I've always had faith in God and, and Jesus Christ. Um, but it's been very passive. It's very like, oh yeah, totally. I believe. Yeah. And that's great. And that's part of my life. And I go to church on Sunday and I fulfill whatever I'm asked to do for church. And, and I didn't have the relationship I do now before this because I can more fully understand the nature of God and, and us as his children and that, no, he doesn't want my child to go through this. He doesn't want this for her. And he still loves her, even though this has happened. And and it, it has taken a while to see all of that. And my husband does not see those things now. And I, I hope that one day he will. And one day he'll understand that this wasn't done to her. It's not a punishment to her or to us. And that it is something that happened. And we have to have faith that one day we'll understand, but today isn't that day. Yeah. But I um, do read a lot of scriptures, but I, as I mentioned, am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I like to read the talks that the apostles and the prophets um, of my church have given and I've had a couple quotes from talks that have just made a huge difference for me yeah why don't you share those with us that would be really fantastic um they are both from Jeffrey R. Holland and he is an apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and one of the first ones that I kind of really clung to when she was little um, and I actually have part of this quote in on a like a painting in my house. It says, so keep loving, keep trying, keep trusting, keep believing, keep growing. Heaven is cheering you on today, tomorrow, and forever. Mm-hmm. And that one, just when I read it so long ago, it, that really struck me. And it's, you have to keep trusting and you have to keep believing and, and heaven is there for you. They're it's behind you and God is with you. You may not see it while you're in the mire, but no, we never do. right? <laughs> never. And that's why it's, I think it's important to keep believing and trusting that God is there and that he does see us down there while we're mucking through mm-hmm. and it's awful and it's hard, but he, he still loves us and, and he is cheering for us. Yes, right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the other one is also Jeffrey R. Holland. And in it, he says, even if you cannot always see that silver lining on your clouds, God can, for he is the very source of the light you seek. He does love you, and he knows your fears. He hears your prayers. He is your heavenly father, and surely he matches with his own the tears his children shed. Don't give up. Don't you quit. You keep walking. You keep trying. There is help and happiness ahead. A lot of it. And you keep your chin up. It will be all right in the end. Trust God and believe in good things to come. 
Ooh, that's beautiful. And that is a talk that I read probably every other month <laughs> because <laughs> it is so comforting. And when you, um, on the churchofjesuschrist.org website, you can pull him up giving this talk and just the emotion he has giving this and talking about a, an experience from when he was a new father and and it's so powerful to me and it brings me a lot of peace and and to know that I'm not alone in struggling. Maybe not everyone has a child with cystic fibrosis, mm -hmm. but you have a child with profound autism mm -hmm. and that is a huge trial yeah. and you have learned so much and I am so grateful to have seen your example with that. Um, because it gave me a lot of hope. Thank you so much for that. Uh, as you know, it's it's challenging to have kiddos with special needs, but we just do the best we can. Thank you also for sharing those quotes. We will be sure to put a link to them in your show notes so that other people can read them and find comfort in them. What tips or what advice would you give to other peoples who are kind of in the muck, in the mire? Maybe their kids don't have cystic fibrosis, but they're really struggling right now. What, what advice would you give to them? Really find your people, whoever it is. If it's a parent, a spouse, a sibling, a stranger who you met at a parent's night activity who knows what you're going through find your people and lean on them and let them lean on you because I have grown more as a person with their help than I, I would have otherwise. And I would have been in so much more despair. I feel like um, if I hadn't found these people that could keep me hopeful when I'm not, and I can do the same thing for them when they are just in the thick of things I can be there and offer that support and that hope. Um, I'll tell a quick story. I um, had so two years ago now, I had um, my duodenum perforated and I was going septic and my husband had to rush me to the hospital and he'd been at a church meeting and I, wow. he knew that I wouldn't call him if it wasn't an emergency. And I called and I was like, thought I was dying, like having a heart attack because my arm was numb. I had so much pain in my chest and he rushed home and rushed me to the hospital and they thought it was gallbladder. So they took out my gallbladder and then they're like, Oh no, it wasn't your gallbladder. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so it's this other thing. And so I have a, I have an autoimmune disease. And so I take a lot of NSAIDs for inflammation. Um, and that in conjunction with, I was in a flare for this autoimmune disease, um, called ankylosing spondylitis. And so I was also taking prednisone um, and the combination of my 10 plus years of daily NSAIDs plus the prednisone perforated my duodenum. Um, and so I had and to- And the duodenum is in your intestines, yes, right? It, it's connecting the large and small. It's like, it's really near the gallbladder and that's why they thought there was a problem. Um, yeah, so I was super sick and just had had abdominal surgery. And um, when you do any kind of surgery, I can't be on my maintenance medications that treat oh. my disease. And so then I was even flaring more because I had to have all of this stress and surgery. And so I was a mess. And then I couldn't lift my tiny baby for 
like six weeks. They were like, you can't lift anything more than like a pound um, because there was such a uh, risk of rupturing it or any of the surgery sites. So it was a mess. Um, and I am on my group with my CF moms and I just said, oh, I just had to have emergency surgery. I'll be in the hospital for a couple of days. Um, and uh, a CF mom showed up at the hospital and brought me chocolate and snacks and something to do. And she, it was funny because she came with her daughter with CF and it happened to be at the same time that Penny was there. Oh. And so they see each other and like back away. Like, <laughs> what do I do now? We're both here for mom. <laughs> it was just cute because they both were like, okay, I know you, but hi, let's anyway. Um, so she was at the hospital like the next day. And then it, and this will make me cry again. My other moms and who live like as far away as Taylorsville and North Ogden were like, okay, I have dinner on Tuesday. I, and then the next one would chime in. I have dinners Wednesday. I have dinner on Thursday. And we had a week of dinners in three minutes because everyone saw the message, saw the need. I was like, okay, hey, we'll be there this time. What do you want? What do you not want? Mm. And so I, I didn't have to worry about that for my family. And when I got home from the hospital, they were there. They were mm. like, okay, hey, I'll be there this time, this day. I got, mm. and it was like, I should have screenshot it because it was I got Monday, I got Tuesday, I got, and I was just like in the hospital still and bawling. They're like, mm-hmm. are you in pain? I'm like, no, I just have the best friends anyone could ever hope for. Mm-hmm. And so that is my advice for any struggle. Find your people, who you can talk to, who understands you. And if you have to pay that person and go to a therapist, do that because mm-hmm. it is so important for your mental, your mental health. When you're, especially if you're a caregiver of, the myriad of afflictions, your mental health is so important because you get so bogged down in who you are caring for and everything that they need. And it's become, (laughs) it's become so much that I'll go to the doctor and they're like, Oh, have you been on antibiotics recently? And I have to think like, did I have antibiotics recently or did Penny have antibiotics? Like, who did I just fill antibiotics for? (laughs) I like have to think about it. And to have people that understand that so fully is priceless. It's irreplaceable. Yeah. So find your people. That is so true. And I found that to be the same with autism support groups uh, and people in that space. It's, it's important to have people that understand you. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's beautiful. That's perfect. Um, Because I think sometimes when we, when we go through struggles, we often do feel very lonely Mm -hmm. We feel like we're the only ones, nobody else understands, when the reality is there are other people out there. And so even though it kind of goes contrary to what you feel like doing at the time, you need to reach out. You have to put yourself out there. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard. My, my husband, John, he um, is not super sociable by nature. Like he has his core group of friends and he's cool. Like he doesn't need more. And I need that interaction. And he's so great because he comes with me to all the CF events. And he has said that after those, it it really does make a difference for him being able to go and talk to other parents about it and what we're dealing with. Um, so he's not as involved with people as I am, but he does see the value of it and really is like, yeah, it was really great talking about them. And it's become so much a part of our lives and be like, Oh, how is 
how is Maddie? How is Addie? Like who, whoever it is, he's like, how are they doing? Are they feeling better? Like, are they done with their antibiotics? Are they going for an admission? And so even he who really doesn't crave that interaction with people, he's still that sense of community is huge for him and, and helps him cope with whatever it is we're going through. Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. Wonderful. Um, any last bits of advice that you would give just in general, maybe to the CF population? Um, if we have parent, like if you're listening and you're a parent of a child with CF, uh, find me on Facebook if you need a friend. If you don't have somebody that can, you can reach out to. I have started a few different CF mom relationships, just like reaching out on Facebook Messenger, and I'm like, here's my cell phone. Text me whenever, and, <laughs> and just take care of yourself. Take care of a patient and caregiver. You have to take care of yourself. You still have to go to the dentist every six months. You still have to get your mammogram. You still have to put yourself first in some areas. Otherwise, you're not going to be the best caregiver you can be. And I feel like in any community where you're so focused on somebody else, I'm sure it's the same for you. Yes. You have to remember, oh, I have to take care of myself. If I'm not taking care of myself, I cannot take care of other people. Yes. And self-care is, I feel, becoming a more talked about and normal thing. But you have to do it, especially as a caregiver. If you are not taking care of you, you cannot take care of someone else. And however that looks for you, if that's you need to go for a drive, go for a drive. If you need to stop and get a Diet Coke, you get that Diet Coke. Like Whatever <laughs> it is that you need to give yourself a little bit of self-care, do it because you need it. And I need it. And we all do it. So don't you feel that after you come back from those little breaks that you're a better caregiver? hundred percent. It's like, it's like your batteries are recharged and you're like, okay, I can, I can face life again. Yes. I know for my husband and I, when my children were young, it was, um, we scheduled to go on regular dates with each other because hello, I needed the break. Mm -hmm. I'd been, you know, 24 sevening <laughs> it with my kids all week. And I needed that Friday night break probably worse than my husband did, but you know, cause he would get away from it at work. But, right. but that was so important for me to just, it was a sanity break. And there were nights when he would come home and I'd be in tears and he'd be like, okay, I'll feed the kids. You go get away. <laughs> Thank you. I just need a break. So yeah, it is important. And I think especially, um, as women, we have a harder time doing that. Absolutely. So it, if you need permission, here's your permission. Please Jen go. and Tamara both say, go do it. <laughs> yes. Take care of yourself. You need to take care of yourself so that you can be a better caregiver in whatever area that is. And when you are in the quicksand with little kids and you're just trying to keep your head up, you do whatever it can to give you that step up. And if that's going to get a pedicure, you get that pedicure. <laughs> That's right, girl. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> That's awesome. So why don't you go ahead and give us your, uh, how people can find you on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, on Facebook, I am Jennifer Harris Hepworth, if you search for that. And then on Instagram, I'm at love pie and bug, like pie like you eat and bug like 
I'm going to smash an ant. <laughs> Very good. And we will link that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for, for so willingly me. sharing your story and teaching us so many wonderful things about communication and cystic fibrosis. This has been just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great and cathartic as I cry all over you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time, and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember, to walk with Christ, and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, remember, God loves you.